0: like beer? Do you love sports and beer? Then you're exactly where you need to be. This is the Hughes, Views, and Brews show on 1252 Sports Chicago. Cheers.
1: Hello, how's everyone doing? Um, apologizes for not having the uh, live Monday night, but uh, yeah, Facebook and the internet uh, kind of threw us for a, uh, a little uh, twirl there. So um, we are recording this and um, wanted to make sure we got this one up. Uh, next week is a possibility that we may have to do the same thing because I am doing White Sox post-game shows over on ESPN 1000, but uh, we'll let you guys know on Facebook and on Twitter and all kinds of things as we go through the week because they're very, very interesting right now. We've got Bears. We've got White Sox. The uh, regular season of baseball is over. The playoffs begin on Thursday for the White Sox in Houston, Thursday and Friday. We'll talk about that in just a second. Then we've got the Bears to talk about. The Bears get a win. Justin Fields plays very, very well. And we still have Matt Nagy saying that if he's healthy, Andy Dalton will be the quarterback. So we'll discuss all that and more. We also have a beer guest this week, Dave Hawley from the Beer Cellar in Glen Ellen. And also he has a second place in Geneva. We will talk with Dave. Um, Very, very cool story about how he got started and how it was called the Beer Cellar. We'll discuss that when he joins us about a half hour from now uh, after I get done rambling about the White Sox and the uh, Chicago Bears. As you can see behind me, I've got the world champions uh, chair Mike North had given me, and I got the Miller light sign. You always see it. Another White Sox sign, stuff all over the place in my basement here. So I wanted to spin the chair around a little bit more so you can see because world champs for the White Sox, that would be nice. I'm not sure. I'm not confident right now. We'll discuss that in a second. I'm not drinking beer because we're recording this early. And uh, Fat Mike says, come on, you got to drink a beer. But don't forget, I did have numerous people head over to Nick and Ivy Brewing to try the Huebner, okay? You can buy it in cans there, or you can also try it off tap. I had a couple guys I went to high school with, a couple other beer friends that traveled on down to Lockport to Nick and Ivy and checked it out, and uh, they then posted some things on Facebook. They enjoyed it. I hope they were telling the truth. I'm sure they were because uh, it's a really good beer. I had one last night when I was watching Monday Night Football and um, very very tasty, along with my—I uh, don't know what I had—Mediterranean chicken or something. Um, but anyway, to, I'm not going to be drinking beer, so today it's just a uh, energy drink or something like that throughout the course of the show. But let's talk, let's talk Bears first, okay? Because the Chicago Bears played a very very good game against a very very bad team. The Detroit Lions marched three times, their first three possessions inside the Bears' 10-yard line and came away with no points. That's right, no points. They had a uh, fumbled snap. They went out on downs, and then they had a fumble, a strip sack from Robert Quinn, who's playing his ass off. Okay? Robert Quinn is playing like the man that Ryan Pace thought he was getting last year. And in the post-game press conference, Robert Quinn said he had a lot of other things going on last year. He didn't want to get into it. He hoped the media would appreciate it and not keep asking them about it. That's not going to happen. They're going to ask him this week. They're going to ask him as long as he plays well. They figure there's a story there. We'll see if Robert Quinn lets it go, but I don't care. I don't want to hear from Robert Quinn except down the field. And he's playing like a monster. He's getting in the backfield. He's getting to running backs. He's getting to the quarterback. He strip sacks Jared Goff. But again, I will digress. I do this a lot when I'm talking Bears and Bears football. But the Detroit Lions are a bad team. They're a young team. They got a lot of young players. And then Jared Goff, their quarterback, they have some receivers that are pretty good. The kid out of Wisconsin, Cephas, and also uh, Khalid Raymond, who's been with a couple teams, had a couple of touchdown passes late in the game. The Bears are fortunate, to be honest, that the Lions didn't kick a few field goals when they got down inside the 10-yard line. Uh, They kept going for it a couple times on fourth down. Made no sense. Instead of kicking a field goal here and there, giving them six more points It's a very, very interesting game. Final score was 24 to 14. So the Bears get the victory, okay? Justin Fields, a quarterback, and we saw some things from Justin Fields that we have not seen from Bears quarterback in a while. Hang on a second. Ah, So what we saw from Justin Fields, is dropping back, play-action passes, and letting it go. He had five passes of 20 yards or more, okay? He also had five of these, I think, were all more than their plus 10 yards and air air yards. So it wasn't like a little five-yard pass, and the guy went 40 yards. He had a 21-yarder to Mooney. He had a tremendous 64-yarder to Mooney as they went downfield and scored 30 yards to A-Rob, 32 to Mooney, and 27 to A-Rob again. A little tickle in my throat. Um, So it was nice to see from Justin Fields because we don't see that. Andy Dalton, Mitch Trubisky, you don't see them sitting in the pocket, throwing the ball and going deep, and they were able to do it. And how about Darnell Mooney? Mooney made a tremendous catch on the first one the 21-yarder, because it was actually not a great throw. But Mooney made an awesome catch. And we're getting to see the receiver that we thought Darnell Mooney was. We weren't so sure. A lot of people said, well, maybe Mooney's the number one. I was talking to him on the post-game show after the game on ESPN 1000. And I don't think so, because now Mooney's got a name. Mooney's got – they've got film on Mooney. They know what he can do. So now is the opportunity to throw to a tight end. That's right. They have tight ends, a lot of them. Four, I think, if not five, they have Cole Comet, who had one catch for six yards. Jimmy Graham, no catches. Jesse James, I still haven't seen him. There should be a wanted poster for Jesse James. That'd be great for the next home game. Have a wanted poster for Jesse James because you got him. He can catch the ball. He can block. The Bears are not using him. They also have J.P. Holtz. I think it's J.P. or P.J. J.P. Holtz. And he's a guy that can block, and he's done that for the Bears this year. But use the tight end. Mooney, I mean, uh, Fields was 11 for 17. 209 yards. He got sacked once. One interception on a ball that was tipped. He wasn't very concerned about that. They asked him about it after the game. He said it was a tip. There's nothing I could do. He could avoid it being tipped, but nobody went on there. So Mooney had five catches, 125 yards, a Rob uh, 33 for 63 and Damian Williams, the new starting running back for the bears, two catches, 15 yards. And it's good. He can catch the ball out of the backfield because the bears are going to be using Damian Williams because the news just came out Tuesday morning that David Montgomery's injury is a sprained knee. He's likely going to miss four to five weeks. So with him missing four to five weeks, get to know the name Khalil Herbert. They played him. He's a rookie. They used him quite a bit in the preseason. He will now be the backup to Damian Williams. We'll see. Hopefully, that does not mean that Matt Nagy's going away from the run. He gave David Montgomery the ball 23 times. He would have given it to him more if Montgomery didn't get hurt in the fourth quarter. Montgomery, 23 carries, 106 yards, and two touchdowns, and he was not going to be denied. He got into the end zone on that second one. So nice to see, and that's what we saw from David Montgomery since he's been here. We've seen that when he gets the opportunity, he can run, and he can also get to the end zone. It was nice to see. So the Bears get the win, 24-14. I thought Justin Fields played very, very well. Um, He looked to avoid sacks. He got play action. He had blocking from his tight ends. All the things that we thought should have happened against Cleveland that didn't, it happened against Detroit. Matt Nagy. It is still <clears throat> confusing, just a confusing head coach. As a head coach, if you watched the game, and I'm sure you did, didn't he look lost without play calling? He was like walking around the sidelines looking for something to do. I'm not calling plays in, I'm just listening. So, what am I supposed to do? He looked lost. He had the Denny's menu, but he was holding it down around his knees because he didn't, he knows the plays. He didn't need to tell. Uh, Justin Fields, what to do? Bill Lazor was the play caller, and it was amazing to me how Nagy had to say, "Well, yeah, yeah, but everything goes through me, so it all goes through me. I'm the head coach." But Bill did a great job calling plays. Just say Bill did a great job. Uh, we'll continue to work together and go from there. Don't keep bringing up yourself. Everybody knows you're the head coach, Matt, and people liked you. I think a lot of people liked you. They didn't like your play calling, but I think they liked you as a coach. But all of this double talk right now, this year is starting to turn people, even the people that did or were giving you an opportunity and thought you were okay. Um, I just didn't like your play calling. But now the word salad you throw out there on a weekly basis is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, the Bears only threw 17 passes. I mentioned the 17 pass attempts against Detroit were the fewest in a naggy win. 14-3 and three is what Matt Nagy is when the Bears attempt 30 passes or fewer, which means they run the ball. And it's sounds so simple, 14-3. and three. Just give those to Matt Nagy. You would think as with all the analytics that Bears uh, have up at Hallis Hall and all the analytics that they have in football nowadays, you would think that that would be something they would know and something they would use. And we've got to run the ball. And he says it all the time. Oh, we know that we have to run the ball. I'm not an idiot. That was one of the best lines of all time. Don't ever say you're not an idiot because it's just going to be played forever and ever and ever over and over and over. So the bears get the win 24 14. We've got to live with Matt Nagy. He says that Andy Dalton will start when he is healthy. And after what I saw from Justin Fields, I asked the question the other day. I said, should Andy Dalton ever start another game for the bears? If Justin Fields doesn't get hurt, my answer would be no. You have Andy Dalton. He got injured. Justin Fields came in. He showed you what he can do. Now build on that and go to Las Vegas this week and get a win against the Raiders. But he is going to start, it appears because Andy Dalton apparently won't be ready to play this week. We'll see. He didn't look all that injured on the sideline, but you know, you can't tell a lot on the sideline in the NFL, but we'll see if in fact he is ready to go. Uh, And if so, Later in the week will be even more interesting. On the Fat Mike Show, you'll hear it. and uh, With all the other shows we have on the weekends here on 1252 Sports, don't forget, you can always check all of them out. Uh, if you're not teased on Facebook about them, you can always check out Twitch. You can check out YouTube and also all the audio on Spotify. Just go to the 1252 Sports and uh, look for them there. You'll find all of them on those sites. So nine completions of 10-plus uh air yards for Justin Fields. Montgomery had 106 yards. So everything was working. People talked about the defense. And I love Bears defense, but I grew up in the age of the Super Bowl Bears defense where they would go and the other team would go three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. We don't see that with this defense. We see the other team march all the way downfield and then the Bears stop them. And I say all the way downfield, they did it. Cleveland did it numerous times and were unable to score a couple times early. And then we saw Detroit move the ball and get inside the Bears 10 on the first three possessions and did not score. I cannot tell you that the Bears have a good defense. I saw somebody tweet, it was either well. If they tweeted, it would be on Twitter, um, or posted on Facebook. They said, Is this a great defense? Not even close. Is this a great defense? The Bears' defense, you know, bend but don't break. I just think that's a different word for not very good. Um, and I think that they can be good. They got to the quarterback a few times. They had uh, four sacks. Mac his fourth. Robert Quinn, who I mentioned earlier, his fifth sack of the season or the fourth game of the season. Travis Gibson got some opportunities to play because Akeem Hicks got hurt with a groin injury early in the game. Gibson with his first sack of the year and Roquan Smith came unblocked and just flew into the quarterback, nailed, uh, Jared Goff. So it was nice to see that. Okay. But the running backs for Detroit ran the ball. Well, um, they had, I think they had, I want to say a hundred and some yards rushing. And you also had Jared Goff completing touchdown passes. Two of them, uh, in the, uh, one of the third, one of the fourth quarter to lead Raymond, one for four yards, one for 25 yards and the drives, that they had, that Detroit had, six plays, forty-four yards in three minutes and twenty-two seconds, um, and eight plays, seventy-five yards, three fifty-three. Deion Bush loses his guy, and Raymond runs right past him and Alec Ogletree and scores a touchdown. There's miscommunication in the secondary. Eddie Jackson still doesn't tackle, but none of his missed tackles really came into play. I didn't think this week. Um, Kendall Vildor is still a work in progress, the second-year cornerback. And if you notice, they're not picking on Jalen Johnson all that much, which is a smart move, not picking on him. One guy I got to mention, I want to mention, is that Allen Robinson had a nice game. He only had three targets, I think, and he caught all three, 63 yards. But I heard someone say, boy, I think it was Aqib Tlaib who was doing color commentary. I didn't like him as much. He didn't seem to add as much on the broadcast as uh, Mark Sanchez did or Greg Olson. We're getting to see and listen to all of the broadcast teams because they are throwing everybody at us. I'm hoping they, that we get Adam Amin and uh, Mark Schlereth because I've heard them a couple of times. They're very, very good. Uh, it'd be nice to get them sometime. But um, you look at it. Someone mentioned that he's one of the best guys on 50-50 balls. No, he's not. And the ball that he did not catch, he went up high, made a great toe tap. That was nice. But that's, the other two guys were well below him. He caught the ball. On 50-50 balls, for the most part, the ball gets taken away from him. Uh, he's had numerous times where he's gone up for a ball with a defender, and the defender always comes down with the ball. I'd like to say I'm wrong, but I'm not. Uh, so hopefully, you know, he seemed pumped up. I think they all are excited to play with Justin Fields, and I'm really looking forward to how good the offense can get. The offensive line looked better. Uh, they only allowed the one sack. Fields also looked better because he knew where the the uh, rushers were coming from, avoided the rush. So that's all good. So let's see. They play the Raiders. Raiders coming off a loss. In a game where... Uh, Boy, the L.A. Chargers are pretty good. Um, Vegas just didn't have much offense yesterday. Uh, the running game really was non-existent, and um, other than passes to Darren Waller, they were they were struggling. They didn't go deep to Rugs once. Once they got a pass interference, once he completed a ball fifty some yards, I think it was. But that's what the Bears are going to have to watch for because you know they'll go deep a couple times in the game. And Eddie Jackson, Deion Bush, Vildor. Jalen Johnson, they all got to be ready because um, the Raiders will do that. Back in the day, the Raiders would always do that. They had a guy named Cliff Branch, who they'd always go deep to, or Freddie Belitnikoff way back in the day. Um, And that's what made Raider football with Al Davis. It was always fun. They were going to drop back and throw deep. So David Montgomery will be a loss out four to five weeks. That's going to be difficult. We'll see how things go as they get ready for the Vegas Raiders. Now to my White Sox. Okay, we have start times for the games this week. Game one in Houston, 307, first pitch. The White Sox still have not announced who's going to start that game. And right before I came down to record this, I heard Chuck Garfight of NBC Sports Chicago mention that in the last six games that Lance Lynn has pitched against the Astros, he's 0 6. I did not know that. I will tell you something that you may or may not know about me. I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to video games, because I only play sports video games. So last night I sat here and played MLB, the show, of course, not against anybody because I'm not good enough to do that. So just against the computer. And I played uh, all the three wildcard games that were set, the two wildcard games and the first White Sox game against the Astros. And the White Sox game played out just like it probably could play out. You had a Gavin Sheets two-run homer and a Brayu home run and an, uh Eli Jimenez home run. And what did you have? you had in the game you had uh lance go seven and a third striking out three and um allowing three hits white Sox win so we'll see what happens we don't know who's going to pitch maybe they go giolito and then Lynn in game two game three is going to be the blackout game every home playoff game they would like a blackout game at guaranteed rate field that's going to be sunday night at 707 you think there's a few things going on on sunday the Chicago Marathon's going on, which usually just is a pain in my ass cuz look at me. I'm not running a marathon, but I have to get to work usually. And our station is at State and Lake, right across the street from the Chicago Theater. And the marathoners run right past there. Now, they run right past there early. So hopefully by the time I have to go to the station to watch the Bears game which starts at 3:07 on Sunday they'll be fine. And then the White Sox started 707. And then I'll have the post game of that which could get me at the station from 11 till midnight on Sunday night, but that's okay, especially if the White Sox win. Talking winning White Sox baseball is always a lot of fun. So, the White Sox had a nice win streak. And I talked about this last week a little bit. A nice win streak before losing the regular season finale. Their longest win streak throughout September was just 2 games before that streak. They lost two of three to Kansas City, Oakland, the Angels, and Detroit. Those are bad teams. You should not lose to them. But earlier today, I was, uh, I don't know, calmed down a little bit. Because John Grachowski, he's the guy that does some of the numbers and the gambling stuff in the Chicago Sun-Times. There are newspapers in town, the Sun-Times Tribune. And he wrote in his article today talking about, a lot of people say, well, you've got to finish the season well as you go into the playoffs and things like that. He said the White Sox finished September, September 1st through the final game of the year, October 3rd, 16 and 13. That's pretty much in line with the other American league playoff teams. Red Sox were 17 and 11 Astros, 17, 13 Rays were 16 and 14 and the Yankees 16 and 14. The one thing I have here to disagree about that is the White Sox played bad teams and had that record. And, the Yankees and Rays were playing each other. The Red Sox played the Yankees a couple times. So that's that's tough. Uh, in addition, when the second wild card came in, um, which has made a one-game wild card playoff necessary since 2012, the shortened 2020 season had many aberrations, including five wild card games, but uh, Major League back to normal. In the nine seasons since 2012, four of the 18 World Series teams had the best record in their leagues from September 1st to the end of the season. That's only four of 18. Teams with the worst record from September 1st onward were in the series three times and won twice. So maybe it doesn't matter how you play in the last month of the season. We'll have to see. Teams with the best records in their leagues claim 10 of the 18 World Series spots. Six were series winners. The 2013 Red Sox, the 15 Royals, 16 Cubs, uh, 17 Astros, 18 Red Sox, and 20 Dodgers. The Cardinals in 2013, the Dodgers in 2017, Astros in 19, and the Rays in 20 reached the series but lost. So those are teams with the best record. Um, So it's interesting. We'll see how things go. Dylan Cease and Carlos Rodon, I'm really interested also to see how the White Sox are going to handle these two and work with these two as they get into the postseason. Because I know the other day you had uh, Kopech come in and go a couple innings. I was thinking you could have Rodon – and then go to uh, go to cease, and do use that as a combination. Because if Lynn goes in the f- opener, whoever goes in the opener, then you have you have time. You have Lynn; he gets days off uh, for game two, the off day, game three, and Monday off, and then he can go in game four. So I'll be interested to see how Tony Larusa runs the uh, pitching staff for the White Sox into the playoffs. Um, Lance McCuller is not going to be easy. Valdez, not going to be easy for the Astros and uh, they can hit the White Sox do give up a lot of home runs. They do strike out a lot of people. The White Sox led the American league with 1588 strikeouts, trailing only the Brewers in the national league and the Dodgers. Dylan sees 226 strikeouts, seventh in the majors, second in the American league. And when you see that, The National League gets to face the other team's pitchers most of the time. So they're always going to have a few more strikeouts, you would think. C struck out 12.28 batters per nine. Carlos Rodon, who didn't have enough uh, innings to qualify, struck out 12.55 batters. So Cease and Rodon pitching well. Now, we know Rodon, his velocity was down in his last outing, last outings. Uh, they rested him. We'll see what he can and can't do. There were reports yesterday on the crawl on ESPN throughout the game. We kept looking at it. There it is. There it is saying that the white Sox will use Carlos Rodon in one game in the series. We'll see how exactly Tony La Russa and uh, the white Sox are going to use him. Now I did mention that you can go and get the Huebner beer at my guy, Nick and Ivy. So since we always like to play a spot here before we start talking beer, uh, let's play one. We usually talk about Nick and Ivy. If it, you know, if you haven't been there, what are you waiting for? Downtown Lockport, fun time. Stagecoach next door. Lock and mule across the street. Lots of good things. Um, but let's take a quick pause, and we'll come back. We we'll talk some more beer. Hello. Nick and Ivy makes you feel right at home no matter what the occasion is. Follow us on Instagram and
0: Facebook by searching for Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. Visit our website for our up-to-date tap list or to go shopping on our online store at nickivybrewing.com. That's N-I-K-I-V-Y brewing.com. Come in today for fresh brewed beer born and raised in
1: Lockport, Illinois. Oh, I was just look at pictures from outside Nick and Ivy. And when we had the uh, release of the Huebner a couple Saturdays ago, Sitting outside, it was a gorgeous night. I remember being outside, I don't remember going in, uh, or anything that happened after that, really. Uh, but it was fun and kept drinking the Huebner very, very tasty. Uh, so if you get a chance, head on out to Nick and Ivy and uh, pick up a four pack or uh, sample them and let me know, let me know what you think. I've had a couple people, as I mentioned early in the show, a couple of my friends, a couple of guys I know that are beer drinkers, they headed out there to try it and uh, they were um, very, very happy with um picking them up so when and Nick and Ivy's got a lot of great beers they got the Fat Mike Lager they're working on that it's going to come back um, because Mike drank all of the first batch well at least most of it Um, speaking of drinking beer uh, this is called Hubes Views and Brews because I'm a big fan of craft beer and there were stores in the city Beer Miscuous a Beer Temple uh, places that had a lot of beers that you can run in and get from the Chicago area, but out in the burbs, there was nothing. And then a few years back, a store opened and I had a chance to go. So I wanted to get this guy on because he's the guy that actually started things in the Western Burbs when it comes to this kind of stuff. We bring in Dave Hawley from the beer cellar. Dave, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great, Fred. How about you, buddy? I'm doing wonderful. Um, I had heard about your place, and you know this story, and I was actually gonna grab the one of the beers. Um I had heard about your place and I had mentioned a couple of times I was coming out, put it on Twitter, put it on Facebook and things like that. And the name, the beer cellar, I had never been there. So I had the address and I'm walking in and I'm going, this is like some kind of shop or something. There's like a, there's all these there's ladies in there. I go, right. oh, here's the door going downstairs. So the beer cellar, when you open it up was actually downstairs in a cellar, wasn't it? Yes, sir.
0: It was a 600 square foot basement underneath a women's boutique.
1: Yeah, it it was, you walk downstairs and your deliveries were fun. I know that sure the delivery guys were very happy going down those few little stairs because every time I had come into your place, they were all, there was always a delivery guy making a stop because you had such an awesome selection. When you first decided to do this, first of all, what were you doing before this? I was selling uh, business
0: insurance. Okay. So I was a salesman, uh, (laughs) selling selling mom and pop shops uh business owner policies
1: it's a little bit easier selling beer isn't it yeah they come to me now i don't have to go to them yeah so, but it's a yeah, it makes easier it of a nice and easy yeah but it was funny because i walked in and you were actually listening to espn 1000 and then i can't remember if you asked me if i was fred or if i told you we sat we talked for i don't know probably half hour 45 minutes and yeah. you showed me around the whole place um how did you how did you go about starting? I mean, when you decided to do something like this, how did you how did you start this thing? So in 2010,
0: I took like a beer trip with some buddies out to California, and we did the whole Pacific Coast Highway up and down, hitting great breweries like Stone, Firestone, Walker. And then we hit up uh, San Francisco, and Toronado. It's like the best dive bar you'll ever go to. Okay. Uh, that was on our list to go to but we were waiting for it to open so we ended up going to this store called city beer store in san francisco we walked in and it just blew my mind that they had a liquor store there that you could buy pliny all these other great California beers but then to the right side they had a bar and i i know i'll never forget the beers that i saw there they had deschutes the abyss and at that time in chicago like That was a a fabled beer, you know. We didn't have the shoots distributing out here. So the fact that I could drink a Deschutes Abyss while shopping around, (laughs) and then they had like a reserve bottle list with a bottle of Canteon on there. So my buddies and I, that was our first Canteon experience. That's a Lambic out of Belgium. Um, So it just like blew my mind that you could do all three things in one store. Right. I think Fishman's was probably the only place doing that at the time. Because remember, Beer Temple at that time was only a bottle shop as well. Sure. And then maybe Beer Miscuous was doing the serving as well. So that kind of model didn't really exist out here. So I came back and wrote a business plan right away and uh, just kind of waited. And luckily, my insurance job laid me off and gave me some severance. I already had a business plan written. So we started on a severance check and whatever was left (laughs) in the 401k, and here we are. It,
1: we're about to celebrate eight years, Fred. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And 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 they're all. I mean, when you first opened, you you kind of had shelves that I've seen people have in their garages or their basements, and you yep. had shelves lined up there, and you had the beers set up, and and you had a great selection the first time I was there. And you'd been open a while when I first made it out there, and you had a cooler, I think, too. Did you not? We had a uh, with one cooler door. Yeah. And they made the big upgrade
0: to a double cooler door. There you go. And at one point we had three full cooler doors. And yeah. I believe those coolers are still at microphone today.
1: <laughs> okay. And then the other thing is because the place you saw in California had the taps in the bar, you did not have that at your first location, but you did you did invite people in when you had rare beers and for pours of beer, didn't you?
0: Yes. I would uh, always bring stuff out of my personal cellar and sample people out. Um, just you, you can't drink a 22 ounce bomber of a barrel aged stout by yourself, no. and I feel good the next morning at work. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we um, we used to sample that out, and th- the taps were always a dream. But I wanted to start small and make sure we did it right, and
1: built it up into the into the locations that we currently have. Well, and I remember the one day I came in there, I think it was the second time I was there and you asked me if I had been to dark Lord days. And I mentioned to you that I never been able to, I was never able to go to those cause they were always on Saturdays and I was always working with Murph at the radio station right. in those days. So you walked into the back and you gave me one of the dark Lord beers. That's what I was going to go bring out. And I forgot to bring it out here. I still have it. I haven't tried it. I haven't opened it yet. It's the only one I have. Um, but it's funny because I had drank a couple of um, Bourbon County stouts recently and one of them was a 2014 proprietors and it said on the bottle ages well for five years after the date. And I'm going, okay, well, we're 2021. 20, we're two years later. It tasted as good as I remember it. I My palate is not good enough to tell if it was a little off or that it was still tasty and I, so I can't wait to try the Dark Lord days when I finally do it. will probably be very soon. Not this morning, but very soon. Um <laughs> wait, so your decision to move, obviously, obviously it worked out pretty well where you were. Was it working well enough that you were you weren't concerned about moving? Um, uh, or what's how I would word this? You had to move or you had to move in order to get the taps and the things you wanted. We had to move in order. I mean, I don't
0: know if you remember, but we didn't have any signage on the street. It literally right. was a chalkboard sign. Yes. And um that's just not conducive to making it. I worked with the landlord to see if we could do some stuff. But even if we built out the whole basement, it would have only been maybe 1,200 square feet in a weird design. Right. Um, we ran into all sorts of emergency egress things. So that was when we decided to make the move to 488 Crescent Boulevard. So just two blocks
1: from our original location. Right. And, 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 and there's a little parking lot. And yeah. because during yeah. COVID and things like that, I know you've been able to set tables and some other things out there. Plus you have nine taps or do you have more than that? Uh, we're up to 12. Uh, okay. At the location now. Yeah. So obviously that's worked out well. Um, when you first opened up there, obviously all the people you had before came, but it's, it's also, even though it's just across the street, it's probably a lot of people in the area probably had no idea you had been there, had they?
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, there was no sign for anybody on the train that was only a hundred feet away from our front door, but there was no way for them to see. I mean, now we have a beautiful awning and people can see us from the train. You got a nice open, uh, led sign, a nice half acre led sign. So yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it's very cool. And I know I've been there numerous times and your decision, obviously things are going well because you then decided to open a second one.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, And three quarters of that baby's life have been in a pandemic. Yeah. So <laughs> people always ask, do you regret it? I'm like, no, because like it was the right move for the time. Sure. He just had no idea what was coming six months after
1: opening. Yeah. Yeah. Did um when it comes to the beers that you have in these places, and there's always there's always the big name, you know, the half acres, the revolutions, the you know, whatever, Goose Island, whatever it is. But um, how do you, do? Are you the guy that picks what comes in? Are you the guy that goes out and says, "Listen, we need to try and get these," or is it just based on Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, whatever, and the beers that you know about that you try to get in? All of the above. Okay, <laughs> so look, I could break it
0: that down a little bit better. Um, so at our Glen Ellen store, I have Ben who's in charge of buying our beer, and then in Geneva, I have Alex. So I work with them on a daily basis, but they're the ones in 2021 bringing in the beers. Okay. Uh, I did all like work for the last seven years and they're doing a really good job. Like they'll go out to local breweries and try the different beers and know what tastes great. And that's what we're going to bring in. Obviously we're limited to whatever uh, distribution. Sure. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of us travel. So anytime we're in a new city, we'll try new beers. Uh, if it's something we can get in from, ex-brewery, will bring it in. Um, but yeah, their job is basically like cut the crap from the good, you know? Like yeah. we only have so much shelf space and if you don't see a brewery on our shelf, I mean, there's probably a good reason.
1: How is the, um, how do you figure out what goes on tap or how do they figure out? Is it is it something that's new? Something that people have asked about? Something that you know has always worked? How do you work that out? They lead with freshness. So okay.
0: our entire thing was the big box stores were buying you know, a pallet of beer and letting it sell out over the course of two, three months. That's not how we did business. Of course, in a 600 square foot store, I had to say, okay, we're gonna take two cases of this beer. Sure. by having to order two cases every week, you were able to bring in the freshest beer possible. So that's what my beer buyers lead with with their draft selections is, all right, what's fresh in the market? Okay, then what's new? Um, they look for style holes. Like, do we have a wheat beer on? Do we have a sour beer on? Do we have a stout? So that that's kind of then the, yeah, they have like a
1: system that they use to decide what they're going to put on. Okay. You use the word. now. I was going to mention this when I first brought you on, but on your website, you mentioned first store and tap room dedicated to selling fresh local craft beer in the Western suburbs. So fresh is a huge thing for you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you you just mentioned your Bourbon County
0: that was seven or eight years old. Right. Yeah. I mean, those, those beers are obviously intended to age. Sure. But go try a, a six to eight month old IPA that you can get at the grocery store and it's trash.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. bitter.
0: It tastes like cardboard. It's nasty. So our whole thing is uh, let, let's get them in in good code dates and make sure that you're drinking the beer that the brewer is
1: brewed for you. That's my problem. I've had people tell me because sometimes if I buy a four pack of something, a hot butcher, something and hot Butchers, you know, when they, they come out and I know you understand this, it's probably oh, at your place too, When hot butchers come out. There's a waiting. People are in line They're, they can't wait to get there, but I'll buy four and I'll drink two right away. And I always have one or two in the, in the other fridge. And every once in a while I'll find one and I'll drink it. And someone says, I can't believe you waited that long. I even talked to the guys from hot butcher. They said, well, you shouldn't try to drink them quick. I said, but but then I'm not able to buy as many. I said if I if I oh. can only you know if I have to drink them right away, it's tough. It makes it right. very difficult. Yep, that's why you yeah. got to choose the right way. Yeah, I know, and, and and that makes it all those kind of things very difficult. Since you've opened up, I know that I think that open bottle was in uh, was in Tinley or Orland at He's around the same. Yeah, they were. I mean, but they were open before you or just after you. Just so
0: it was funny because Beer Temple opened one year almost to the day before me, okay. And Bottle
1: opened one year after me, okay.
0: And because then, uh, and then well,
1: I, the, right, there's so many of them now. And do you see it just continuing to grow the way it is? Because it makes sense. I mean, the places I go, I mean, I, I know you know the guy because I'm in Downers Grove, I go to Orange and Brew, and I there's others I have not been to. But, and I know there's another one opening up in Clarendon Hills, that's going to have other things too. But do you see as this is the way it makes sense to do it this way? Obviously it does make sense because you opened another one in Geneva, but you have to, you have to watch size-wise too, right? Because you got to right. make sure that you're going to get enough people. You don't want your, your space to be too big, too much right. rent. Yeah, but you do need storage, right? Storage is a difficult thing. Yeah, we,
0: um at our Geneva store, we have a, f- it's, I believe our size is like 2,800 square feet. Okay. It's more than double our Glen Ellen store. Um, but they have a full basement that we can utilize for storage. So, you know, we'll buy Lambic and lay it down there. And, you know, hopefully 20 years from now, you can come in and drink a, a, a birth year beer. Uh, sure. At our bar. Um, and in Glen Ellen, during the pandemic, uh, unfortunately, our next door neighbors had to close the doors. Um, and when, we didn't really have any any reserves or anything, but we bit the bullet and took over the space next door. Okay. And they had a back room and that's allowing us to um, have a stock, a back stock room
1: in Glen Ellen now. Yeah. I know that some of the places breweries included, they love their location, but sometimes location limits your space. That's Absolutely. why so many brewery types open in industrial parks. Cause you, you get bigger space. It's yeah. easier to do it that way. So it's, it's kind of a tough, decision do i want location which is great for us because more people see us but we're going to get bigger and now we're not gonna have enough room so right. i guess i guess that's always a good problem to have right right and like yeah. because we're not a big box store
0: i've built the business on how to not have a ton of back stock sure sure So you know, so when you build that into the plan it makes it a little bit easier to deal with space constraints um opposed to like a, a giant big box
1: store that Things just rot on the shelf and rot in the back room for forever, you know? Yeah, well, there was a phrase in accounting. I did have three accounting classes, first in, first out, right? So if you, as you get stuff in and you get it out, you're able to get new stuff in, and that makes a lot of sense. And all this stuff you were doing, and since you've started, you've also had a few kids.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I have a four and a half and a two-year-old.
1: So it's, it's a little hectic around here all the time. Sure. Sure. And uh, you know what? And that's a great, it's a great, great thing. I know a year ago I stopped at your place and I was talking to you because you had the, uh, the advent calendars for a while. And last year I saw you and you could only wave to me because you were taking three to this lady's car and two to this person's car and things like that. You're not doing them this year, but talk about how much they saved you guys last year. Oh man. So it was just the perfect storm.
0: So I think the most we had ever done was like 250 advent calendars. Okay. Last year, I signed the lease for next door on November 1st. And we knew we weren't going to be able to do the build out until probably January or February anyway. So we decided to go hard on the advent calendars and we ended up selling 800 of them. And <laughs> yeah, it, but this year, we, we had to pull the plug on it this year because car, our cardboard costs on it went up 30 sure. percent. The lead times are high. And honestly, it is so much work, <laughs> so much. I mean, I had two full-time employees just building advent calendars for three
1: weeks. Yeah, I can imagine because yeah. it was awesome. It was, it was so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah they're, they're great. It's a great concept. Um, I, I was telling someone just the other day, Fortunately or unfortunately, one of my good friends, the last two years, he's bought me the German one that you got to get at Costco yeah, with, yeah, the six, yeah. with the 16 ounce cans, which yeah. is fine, except I also bought yours. So last year, if I missed the day, I would then have four beers to drink, two of each two each day. <laughs> so I, I it was tough missing the day. So I'm telling people, listen, don't buy them for me. But then again, if I get them, I'll just have to spend more time at home. But yeah, right. I, gave, I mean, during because of COVID and everything else, everybody had to do other things. Uh, you having some space outside, you how how was your tap room able to work at all during COVID, or how did that work?
0: Yeah, um, I, I, it all blends together. This is the, the, the longest months of ever everybody's lives. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it saved us a lot last summer. I mean, the village of Glen Ellen is absolutely awesome. Like they really rallied around. I I remember the day that JB put the order in. Um, Everybody from the village like called or emailed all the business owners. Uh, I still remember we went and met at Blackberry Market and we just had like strategy sessions. Like, sure, what are we all going to do to survive? How are we all going to work together? Um, The B and Trucha group, uh, they started a new burrito business. So every Friday and Saturday, they deliver fresh burritos to the beer seller. Okay. We have a little hot box that we put them on. So now we're a restaurant. So you have all these businesses working together to figure out how to survive, and um, and then like Glen Ellen saying, "Hey, turn your parking lot into a into a patio. Right. Do whatever you can do to save save yourself." So that's been awesome. Um, just the communication between strangers or once competitors, you know, based on trying to get that drinking crowd. We're all working together and trying to figure out how to
1: survive. That's actually one of the I don't know. I guess you'd say one of the good things that has right. happened because in every place I've gone to and all the people I deal with that have talked about the breweries and everything else here on the show, they all talk about how the communities have been so, you know, that is so helpful to them, especially yep. over the last couple of years. But they then all work together and, you know, charitable things and and having, you know, their space available for charitable things and stuff like that. It's actually it might have been more difficult if this didn't pop up. So I guess you got to take some of the good with all the bad we've had. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You got to find that silver lining in anything. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. Anything else you got coming up soon or anything else going on? I know it's always busy uh, around this time of year. We're getting ready for the holidays and things like that.
0: Yeah. So we do, um, we don't carry Goose Island once they got bought by sure. and dev
1: I realized that as soon as I said it, but anyway, hey, don't I'll worry about back. it. I did sell it. Remember, you I, <laughs> I know
0: for the first year. Sure. Uh, I love Goose Island. I'm nothing wrong with them. I just choose we, we want to do business with uh small independent stores or right. family run, family run empires, I guess. Sure, sure. With you. Um, so when we got rid of Goose Island, we needed a barrel aged stout or a stout to fill that void, so we partnered with transient. Uh, I think this will be our sixth or seventh year doing uh neckbeard nectar. So on black Friday, we throw a huge festival. Uh, we shut down the parking lot, which I guess it used to be a big deal to shut down the parking lot. Now it's just a an normal <laughs> Friday, sure. Um, sure, but I don't know the variants yet. He was pulling barrel samples this week for us to decide um, what we're going to do. But I believe we will have four variants again three barrel aged, one non barrel aged. Um, I know we got 302 burgers from Wheaton coming out to serve burgers. Okay. Um, I know we're working on trying to get a Santa Claus in for the kids in the morning. We just, when we talk about community and you you brought up like everybody banding together, like, yeah, we just want to throw a cool fun party for our town Sure. and, and give them a place to just enjoy being with their neighbors and drink some good beer and, Celebrate making it through another year of this bullshit, you know. Yeah, there's no doubt.
1: You know, I, I, uh as we let you go, there was a time where you, me, Adam Abdallah from ESPN 1000, we got into full bab early. Um, This has to be four or five years ago. That was the and night it had a snowstorm, right? I think so. We got into like we got in there at five thirty, and at six thirty, you and Abdallah <laughs> were gone. I don't oh. know what you. <laughs> That was like one of the most the most fun days I had just watching you guys. I don't know if you wanted to hit all the high the high alcohol ones first, yes, but yeah, And yes. That was one of the most fun. Now I know this year they're changing it a little bit. They're going to have it at the UIC Pavilion, some inside, some outside, and things like that. But uh, for people that hadn't been to the the one that was at the forum or the UIC forum, that was I mean that was like one of the more amazing festivals and things. I know that you know, beer under glass was nice. Right. I, I don't think anything topped Fobab.
0: Fobab. It's such a unique festival.
1: Yeah. And the Illinois
0: craft Brewers guild just does a phenomenal job on it. Um, I mean, like it's kind of the beer world's Oscars because sure. I mean, you have GABF and all that, but like barrel beer is the sexy fun thing. And, and to be able to host that here locally, is so cool because you see the star studded names from across the country, they want their beer entered in in this contest because it sure. actually matters.
1: Yeah, oh, it's awesome, it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, every time I think about it and say, Oh, I've been to a few, and I say, Ah, but can I really miss one? Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. That's a decision I'll have to make soon, Dave. Uh, I appreciate you getting on, I appreciate the, appreciate the understanding invite, all man. of our technical problems yesterday. Hey, uh, we roll yeah. with the punches, man. We roll with yeah. the punches. Yeah. Well, we've got no choice at this point. So thanks a lot. I'll come out and see you guys soon. I haven't, I haven't seen the Geneva store. I was actually out in St. Charles a week or so ago. So I got to check that out also. And yeah, uh, let me you know, and I'll meet you out there for a beer. Sounds great. Thanks a lot for jumping on in. But right, Thank you. Cheers. Okay. Dave Hawley from the beer Cellar. He's got one in Glen Ellen, one in Geneva, all kinds of fun. He's done a great, great job. And like I said, I was there last year on the, on the beer advent calendar pickup and it was, he just waved to me as he was carrying out three advent calendars here and two here and four here. And uh, the number they had last year was amazing. If you've never had one, they're well, they're a lot of fun. Every day you open it up, another beer. Like When you're a kid, you get a piece of chocolate here. You get a nice beer from uh, the Chicago area. I know that, I think I mentioned it last week on the, uh, on the podcast, that Lodi Tap House, I think it's called, is doing one from the Illinois Craft Beer people. And so to go to to, uh, LodiTapHouse.com, there are 20 breweries and stores in the area that will be distributing them and uh, check it out there. And you can see and uh, get a taste of some of the locals, maybe some of the, that you can't get to. Here in the Burbs, I go to a lot of the ones, the breweries in the area, you know, uh, Black Horizon and Imperial Oak and uh, Nick and Ivy and things like that. I don't go into the one the city as much. So if I get a maple wood or a dovetail or a beguile or something like that, something I haven't tried, that makes the whole thing well worth it. So hopefully it does too for you guys too. Uh, I got something off my can today. So we'll we come back, we'll do uh, what's up? What's up, Fred's can? Well, maybe it's just because you're ugly. Ugly? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Come
0: on! Time for What's Up Fred's Can on 1252
1: Sports Chicago. Okay, I've worked in sports radio since, well, hell, I've worked in Chicago sports since 1977. I worked at Sports Phone from 77 to 90. I worked at The Score from 92 till uh, 2008. People say, why would you stop? working at the score i said well they didn't want to pay me anymore so i had to leave um and i've been at espn since 2010 so now we're in 2021 and it's all been fun but i have to tell you something last week the hype that the brady belichick got was disgusting now i saw someone posted i couldn't find it this morning but someone posted something one of those little sayings or phrases you see on Facebook. Um, You know, it says if you haven't grown, one of them is if you haven't grown up by 60, then you don't have to. And I said, good, I'm 64, never grew up. You don't want to grow up. Um, But as you get older, things don't impress you as much or you don't get as interested in stuff. And the Brady Belichick, I had no interest. I didn't watch the game. Sunday night football, sometimes tough to watch when I watch games all day long. So unless it's a really good matchup and the Patriots are not a great team. I didn't want to watch the game. And then when I saw that at the end of the game was one touchdown and a bunch of field goals um, for the bucks and uh, I didn't miss anything, but the way that everybody, especially Chicago people were over the top, I couldn't believe it. And maybe it is just as you get older, you don't care about the hype and the things like that as much. I know I didn't. And I posted something last week. I said, am I the only one that could care? Couldn't care less about, Brady Belichick and a couple people, you know, gave me crap. You know, they posted pictures of me as as Clint East with the old man, get off my lawn and all that stuff. But I couldn't care less. There's other stuff I'd rather do. I was more interested in the final day of baseball. And I know it was all over with at that point. But looking forward to what was coming up, I had no desire to watch that game. None at all. Didn't watch it. And all of the problem, all of Tom Waddle has mentioned numerous times on ESPN 1000. He mentioned this like four years ago saying social media is going to be the downfall of this country. Look what happened on Monday when Facebook and Instagram was down. People's lives stopped. We were supposed to do this podcast Mondays. as we always do Monday nights live at seven o'clock and then you can catch it later on YouTube and Twitch and also the day after on Spotify. But it was down all day long and people were like, well, what do I do? I can't, Where I can't get in touch with it. There's phones. Go back to the way it was before. It's like the social media stuff going on with Urban Meyer right now. Urban Meyer wasn't screwing a young co-ed in uh, in the pictures, okay? He had his hands on her. Probably shouldn't have done that. The only person he needs to apologize to is his family. Social media is disgusting. Um, My guy, Fat Mike, who's running the show with me today, uh, I know that if there was a camera... And I'm surprised no pictures would come out. If there were cameras watching what I was doing uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago at the beer release, you know, those are things that I would probably say I probably shouldn't have done that. But I really don't have anybody to answer to right now. Well, Linda, my, my girlfriend, might disagree with that. But she was standing right there when I was hugging somebody else's wife because I thought she was cute. Uh, but I said that. But if, I was, if that was out, people would say, oh, what's he doing? What's the social media thing and the way people react to TMZ and all of the other things, disgusting. And it, I agree with Tom Waddle. It is going to be the downfall of this country and how the young people just everything's got to be on social media. I got to take a picture. I got to take a picture when people are at games, taking pictures of a guys at bat. Why are you doing that? Especially if you're not in it. Yeah, I can understand Someone like the White Sacks, say the White Sacks win a playoff game and you're there taking the video of you celebrating as you're, but why, who cares about the guys running the bases? You get better video somewhere else. You can always see better video. Why are you doing that? Everybody needs to have their phone in their hands all the time showing something. You see someone getting beat up, but we see video of it because the guy is getting beat up, they don't care about stopping it. They just want to video it so they can send it to someone and show it to someone. It's disgusting. Um, but again, I'm the old man. Uh, if I can live as long as Clint Eastwood, that's good. I just got to make sure I got enough money to live that long. Um, thanks for, uh, catching the show this week. Dave Hawley from the beer cellar, a great, great guy. If you get a chance, uh, check out his places, either in Glen Ellen or Geneva, or go to both of them. Really nice stuff. Uh, you can find, find beers there. You may not find it other places and, um, check it out next week's going to be a little hairy. We may do another recording because uh, the White Sox, if they're playing a uh, game four, it could likely be on Monday night. And if that's the case, then I may not be able to do a live show uh, next Monday, but we'll figure out a way to get a show up there because we definitely want to be able to talk White Sox baseball, Bears and Raiders, and more beer talk. So until then, oh, one more thing I wanted to say. I got it written here. I can't believe I forgot it. Funky Town Brewery. Okay, Funky Town Brewery. I know that got a laugh right away out of Fat Mike. Um, they opened on Saturday in Logan Square. Another, you know, Logan Square, the city. I don't go there that often. That's just the second black-owned brewery opened in Chicago. Now, we know about Black Horizon. Our guy, Charles St. Clair, one of the owners of uh, Black Horizon. But there's also another brewery, and it's more brewing. And we've got, uh, I've got this one, and I've also got um, a Session uh, IPA. And I uh, have not tasted it yet. This could be as soon as I get off. Let's see. It's uh, it's late enough for me to have a beer. Uh, but check it out. Moore's Brewing uh, Company. Another one. More beer, more better is what I always say. So check that out. Check out the Huebner uh, and Nick and Ivy. And until next week, go White Sox. Hopefully the White Sox can relieve some of my fears and do well against the Astros. I'd love to see them go into the next round and play uh, Tampa or the Yankees. Tampa's tough. The Yankees hit the crap out of the ball. So uh, it's going to be fun. Postseason baseball, always a riot. So uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you somehow next week right here on Hube's Views and Brews.